Well, I apologize for the fake news last week about uh, last week being our last week. Y'all left sad and then somewhere around Wednesday y'all made plans to do something really fun on Sunday and then Saturday or Friday you got an email, oh there's one more and you're like, ah. Oh. <laughs> I think this really is the last one. Um, so, um, so I thought two things. One thing is we have to have a ceremonial removal of the posters. So if, if you are uh, sitting by one, grab it. And uh, I know it feels sacrilegious if you're, if you're a giver to crumple up the giver poster and put it in the trash, but we have to do something with them. So you can take it home, frame it, um, or look <laughs> at it. Um, interesting, Josh, uh, Josh and I sat right here in this room uh, Friday and, and talked about all this stuff and he was like, you know what I'm thinking? I said, what are you thinking? He goes, this would be a killer 16-week sermon series. And I'm like, come on! So who knows what will happen with that. But uh, I'm hoping it would be a killer 16-week sermon, sermon series. Yeah, well, there's a rolling back I'm going to give. No, we gave him the booklet. So, yeah, no, I, it's like hands off, Andy, hands off. Don't drive even from the back seat. Um, I wanted to, I said in the email that, that some of you got, um, if there were any sort of languishing questions, burning questions, I don't get this, you said something last week that made the hair on the back of my neck stand up, I don't know if that was Holy Spirit, me or Satan, but it did. Um, if there are any questions, now you know me well enough to know that if there aren't questions, I'll provoke questions, but um, is there anything that, that you've been wanting to ask and just didn't ask so far? Yeah. How do we stay on track? And I think that the ligatures and the connections will help, but how do we stay on track? How do we stay on track? Yeah. I'll answer that. That's good. Yeah. How do we, how do we walk in the spirit? How do we? Yeah. And there's there's lots. What suggestions do you have? Someone says, okay, this has been new to me. There's been a lot of new information. What are some things that can help me kind of walk this out and stay on track? What thoughts do you have about that? What first comes to your mind? Uh, if you can teach when you come back from your adventure. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's a thought. <laughs> hear how other people are applying it and where it's also new to them. Yeah, how other people. Yeah, that would, I, I, I certainly thought if we did come back, um, I would be sitting out there as much as standing up here and we would be doing a lot more, how is this working for you, uh, let's try it out stuff. Because we, have, we have a lot of, not just theory, but we have a lot of ideas and, and walking anything out that you learn in college or anywhere else, all of a sudden you're in real life, you're going, ha, we didn't cover that exactly. Anything else? Yeah, that's a, that's a, really, good, that's a really good thought. And I know there's, there's other discussions, I know Mark is back and we're talking about should something start up in January, what does that look like, is it two classes, is it one, is it tag team, is it, um, our goal is to be diligent to preserve the unity of the spirit in the bond of peace. The next thing that happens in a setting where Holy Spirit becomes a focus is Satan going, I have to cause division because if I don't cause division, 
if I don't cause confusion, this thing's going to catch fire. Okay, and and we are we are committed to there being one Spirit, one Lord, one baptism, one body, and and uh, no. Well, they said. Well, they said. Nada, none. I was going to ask that question because I know that exhaustion and a house remodel kind of figure into it. Yeah. But I felt like I had a huge spiritual attack yeah. recently. I mean, I feel like the air is cleared, but yeah. I was wondering if others have experienced that since studying the Holy Spirit. Uh huh. Anybody feel dialed up? Attack, or maybe you're just more, more uh, observant of the attack that's always been going on. Yeah. Anybody else thoughts about that? Yeah, Jeannie. Yeah. Um, and when I start to think, you know, if a situation like, should I say, should I not, it's easy to hear their voice because I've spent that time. Yeah. Yeah, and that's that's actually the bottom line as far as I was going to go to in summary. Everything else is knowledge and information, <laughs> but the one takeaway, the starting point, the way that we maintain, the way that we, is we connect with God on a regular basis. He's the author and the perfecter of our faith. And so there, there's no seven steps to stability. There, there's one step, you know, Holy Spirit. Jesus, whoever you like to talk to, they don't care who you, you can say Lord, and they all go, yeah, we're all listening, doesn't matter who you, you know, we're all here. Um, and, and connecting, as Jeannie said, connecting with God. So Wednesday, I woke up weeping, and I was like, you know, I, I, I didn't cry from like 15 till 33, and God said, okay, it's time for you to start crying. Now I cry real easy. But uh, really important things, like when Pete's dragon left at the end of the movie, that was that was a crier right there. Okay, I mean that that was, and so I woke up Wednesday just kind of crying, and I said, Lord, what is it about? And and I began to just hear about transition in life, and you know some transitions like you, you leave high school and you go, we're never going to see each other again, but you go on to something, you know. So it's a transition from, but as you get older, as my wife says, it's like your fingers slowly get pried off of life, you know, and and things. Some things are gone for good. They're just gone. And, and I was like thinking, so, so I, as a middle-aged male, do the patronizing around here. I don't get patronized, but last week I got patronized three times. I went to a, a uh, yoga class, the only male, and the yoga teacher came up to me and said, are you going to stay for the class? I said, yeah, and she said, good for you. And I was just like, shut up. You know, I mean, it was just like, yeah. And then I went to the VA because I'm retired military to do some things and, and it was in a different building and I was looking for the building and this nurse came up to me and took my shoulder and said, sir, can I help you to the building? And I was just like, okay. You know, it was just like, ah! You know, and so, uh, you know, and then on my job, it was like, hey, you know, it's been 30 years since you set this up in Charlotte. We, we have such good memories of you. And I'm like, 
wait, I'm, I'm not gone. You know, I'm, I'm like, I'm like still. And so, um, and so, um, yeah, so how do you, and, and I went to the Lord and I said, Lord, what about this? And this is to Jeannie's thing. I said, Lord, and, he, and that, that, I'm going to cry now, that, that um, song lyric that says, I'm no longer a slave of, of fear, I am a child of God. And the Father said to me in a very gentle, wonderful way, he said, you can substitute everything that you think you might be in that I'm no longer. And the answer is, I am a child of God. I went, wow, so I'm, I'm no longer, you know, as active as I was in my job. I am a child of God. It's like, oh, child of God is my identity. And every one of these things is just something I go through. But child of God never gets a finger pride off of it. It never stops being that. And that is the doorway to our walk with the Spirit. Is if I'm a child and he loves me, then why wouldn't I? Why wouldn't I seek to connect every day? Why wouldn't I do that? Why wouldn't I find ways? Lord, can I draw near to you? Would it be okay? Lord, if I'm struggling to draw near to you, will you show me if there's any reason? Is there anything I need to know? Lord, I feel sad today. Will you show me what's going on? Will you help me? So we connect to God and we, we go, whoa, he's way more real than I thought back in Bible class, you know, <laughs> like that. Yeah, so, so that would be the answer, I would say. The answer is, is learn how to draw near, learn how to connect with God. He's, a, he's real time. We might just jump into that, but was there something else that, yeah? I think also just talking with other people who are on the journey and getting encouragement from them, yeah. hearing their, what they're learning has been helpful for me. Yeah, that is. Prayer, just going free that is good. I mean, if anybody wants to start up a de facto, let's just hang out during Sunday school sometime group, feel free. I mean, that would be, that would be awesome. I can be out of town so much this next semester. Um, yeah, Mike? Just building on what Catherine said, when you shared that with me earlier this week about the transition, yeah. the weeping, and uh, the reason I'm bringing this up is, you know, Paul's uh, told Philemon, he said, I pray that you may be active in sharing your faith in order that you may understand the fullness that's in Christ Jesus. And and you just sharing your story was an insight for me personally. Hmm. Because when I moved here, I, I wasn't in ministry. Well, I'd spent years in ministry. And it was just a way of helping me to reflect on the fact that I need to let go of the fact that I'm going to be in ministry. Yeah. <clears throat> and I just need to be a child of God, whatever that looks like. Yeah. Really, really well-raised children, the fact that they're a child in the family is like stabilizes everything about their life. I mean, it just nothing can really shake them because it's like, no, I, I know who I am. You know, I know who I am. I have this family that just unquestionably loves me. They've told me who I am since birth. You're going to change that because of an argument? I don't think so. You're going to change that because you don't like what I'm doing on the job? I don't think so. I don't think you can touch it. And God wants that to be in us, that thing. Right? If the prodigal son can, can cause the father's heart to cause him to run, grab him, and when the prodigal son starts to try to say, oh, I, I've sinned in your sight, Bubba, and he just goes, stop, kill the fatted calf. You know, everybody, we're taking the day off. We are going to have a party. End of discussion. 
the sin did the teaching, I don't need to scold. So, yeah, good stuff. And that's how God is with us. Yeah? I've got a question. Uh, the Spirit is, is talked about a couple of times in the Old Testament. Yeah. But immediately in the New Testament, you know, the Spirit was promised to Elizabeth. The Spirit, the Holy Spirit, was promised to Mary. Yeah. Uh, you know, uh, during Christ's baptism, the Holy Spirit is mentioned. Yeah. Does it seem like it's obviously the same Spirit, but does it seem like it takes a little different uh, yeah. form in, in, as as Christ came on the scene? Sure, I really think it does. So. Um, uh, we received a three-volume set when Christ died, and it's all because of his work. So, because he died on the cross, my sins are forgiven. Because he rose again, I have a new life, a spirit-filled life. And because he ascended, I have the fullness of the Holy Spirit to flow through me. So, most Christians, um, not most, but many Christians don't realize there is a three-volume set waiting at the store for them. They may be picked up volume one. I'm just a sinner and my sins are forgiven. You go, well, that's one-third true. <laughs> you know, what you said is one-third true. Um, but you're not a sinner. You have a new life. You have a born-again life. The first thing Jesus did when he appeared to the disciples after he rose from the dead was to breathe the Holy Spirit into them. The first thing he did Okay, John 20, go look. It says, he appeared and he breathed into them and he said, receive the Holy Spirit. They were born again at that instant. The second thing he did was said, don't go anywhere because I'm between. I've risen, so you have volume two. I haven't ascended. You don't get volume three yet as Josh preached. Don't go anywhere till you get volume three. Volume three is the fullness of the Holy Spirit so that we can walk in power in everything we do in life, right? Three volume set, all ours because of the finished work of Christ. I don't, ha I don't have to do anything except believe to be born again, to have a new life, to have my sins forgiven, or to be filled, with the, filled and continually filled with the Holy Spirit. It's all part of the finished work of Christ. But we don't, just like maybe 10 years into your salvation, you go, I can't believe my sins are that forgiven. God, that's crazy. And they were forgiven the day that you were baptized, but 10 years later, you get a revelation of it more than you've ever had. In the same way, it's with all, all three of the volumes. You go, whoa, there's an appendix back here called Manifestations of the Spirit. Why didn't I read this? You know, it's kind of like, wow, wait a minute. Yeah, so, that, so, so we do see a change because the work of Jesus hadn't been accomplished yet. And so we have an Old Testament spirit who is on people temporarily for the works of God. Some of that temporary looked fairly permanent, like with David. Then everything changes at the cross. And now, as Josh preached or will preach, if you're going to the later service, everything changed at the cross and it's a new world. It's a new event. It's a new administration of God. It's God in us, not God with us now. The temple is us, not the temple. <coughs> right? Everything's changed. Yeah. I hadn't thought about this before, just this very moment, but thinking about how God used um, His Spirit to enable prophets in the 
Old Testament. Yeah. Um, and sometimes we think about prophecy, and we presented it here as us speaking um, the words of God to other people. In the Old Testament, many times prophets were called into a condition that that gave a visual representation of something that Israel needed to know. Yeah. And I'm just wondering if in our lives, sometimes we're called into situations that we're called just to live faithfully through, and that in some way prophesies also. Yeah. Um, I think that's true. Old Testament prophecy tended to be more dictation. New Testament prophecy tends to be more perception. I'm perceiving what God is doing. A young, a young prophet person will get a sense from God and blurt it out, right? I feel like God's blah, blah, blah. And he's like, whoa, wait a minute. Now, you, you should have maybe just talked to one person first because some of that's you and your attitude, right? Um, a, a more mature prophet will wait till an appropriate time and try to speak it in an appropriate way. But the most mature prophet, and this is to your question, will sense what God is saying, and prophets are about right and wrong, that's, will sense what God is saying about something that's wrong or something that could be more right, but they won't necessarily think they have to say anything. They're just saying, God, you've shown this to me. What do you want me to do about it? And it might be I simply live it out faithfully. It might be I go to a leader in the church and, and, and we walk together for a couple weeks and it comes out through my life. We don't know, see? And so, so God's never in a hurry. Well, sometimes he is, but he's never in the same hurry we're in, right? So... Yeah, so we just wait. We trust him. He began a good work. He'll complete it. It's his work. Yeah. I, I just think that I, I, you know, I was thinking back to Hosea being called to to wed someone who yes be seen as worthy, or Jeremiah being asked to lay on his side, or you know, like the the yeah. suffering, yeah, naked, certain, yeah, I, like those, those I'm, sorts of things that sometimes maybe um, if we in our suffering instead of seeing it as an affliction seeing it as this is God's yeah. calling us to faithfully show and to speak into the lives of others. Yeah. Uh, I, 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 I think that's true. Into that, that yeah, world. and remember Paul says, whether in suffering or not, I've learned the secret of contentment. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. The context is, I've suffered and I've been in abundance. I can still be, I'm a witness for God in either case. Right, so I think it's true generally, but it may be true specifically. I know people who've given up their job, gone to the inner city, and they said, God's called me to go there to do that for a purpose, and I'm going to do it. And I'm not going to say, God's called me to change you. I'm just going to go live there. Uh, we have a family. <clears throat> One of our children moved into North Nashville, and they said, we are called here to just be here. And I, I'm thinking, oh, to be a witness. He said, no, to be here. My favorite picture is my son fixing six bikes with six African-American kids standing around watching him fix their bikes for them. And all he does is fix their bikes. And they love it. They come by, hey, Mr. Evan, will you fix? I'm, I can't get it. And, and he shows them how to do it. And they love him. And I'm like, perfect. Absolutely perfect. Yeah, any other questions, thoughts? Yeah. You know, you really opened our eyes about the Holy Spirit. I grew up not really even thinking about that at all. Yeah. I guess from outsiders looking in, uh, the transition between uh, at Pentecost, uh, the Holy Spirit, 
working through the process to speak to different languages to now communicating with the Holy Spirit by speaking tongues. Could you kind of talk about that a little bit? About yeah, so there's various kinds of tongues. It says there are varieties of tongues. Then Paul says, if I speak in the tongues of men and of angels. So some tongues are a language of men that someone else can understand. Some tongues aren't a language of men, but still someone else might be able to understand it and interpret it, even though it's not a language of men. Tongues can be used in your private prayer life for worship, for intercession, and they sound different. Worship doesn't sound like syntax. It sounds like, oh God, you're holy, oh God, you're holy, just like we might sing on Sunday. But intercession sounds differently, feels different. I know when I'm praying and I get going, it switches. It just goes into a different thing. Tongues in public is meant for interpretation. It's meant, and we don't, we don't see, I've probably only seen that four or five times in my life, even in charismatic circles. It's just doesn't happen very often. Maybe it should happen more often. But um, so what was the miracle or the kind of tongues at Pentecost? There's, there's a discussion about it. Someone said, well, they each spoke a different foreign language. But if you look at the actual Greek, it sounds more like they each spoke in tongues and the miracle was in the heads of the hearers, not in the voices of the speakers, right? Because they each heard them talk in their native language. So the plurals mean they heard multiple people talking in their language and declaring. So it's like, okay, so God worked a miracle in the hearer, right? And that's really what interpretation of tongues is. Someone speaks a tongue that you don't know, but the hearer, someone with that interpretive manifestation goes, oh, that's what he said, oh. So they, this is what I feel like they said, okay? And then if, if it has the sauce on it, people go, God, that's really good. You know, and so every, everybody feels good about what happened. Yeah? This might sound bad, but have you ever recorded yourself speaking in tongues so you could, you know, and then interpret it later? No. Just to, you know, like no. <laughs> uh, no. Uh, I I have never even thought about doing that. I I. Yeah. Now. Yeah. Yeah. See, geeks. You know. See, now I'm thinking I could do like a geek thing. I mean, yeah. I haven't. Uh, yeah, a, yeah, Mike. There's a lady out there named Mary Catherine. Mary Dash Catherine. Uh, she has an album out called Stream in the Desert, and there's one called Tehillah, where she speaks in tongues and interprets what she speaks on it. Hmm, okay, Tehillah. So if you want to so catch, catch Mike in that. Yeah, you had your... So, and I might have missed the class where you explained this, but is there a simple way of um, saying how, why you don't mature? So to me, I very much believe I've been on this journey for a while. Yeah. And I don't want to cry, but anyway. Oh, come on, join the group. <laughs> um, but I don't see that I'm mature, so. Mature in? The manifest, you know. Like yeah, yeah, I got it. That I still do really stupid stuff. Okay, anybody who still does stupid stuff, please raise your hand. Okay, sorry, I didn't mean to do that to you, but. Absolutely, I'm not. 
really that is what's yeah. very validating. Yeah. So I guess well, I, I just had a very simple question, which is, if you had to say why, what keeps someone from maturing? Yeah. What would in the say? manifestations, or, or just in life? Just in. In, in the spirit. In their gift. Yeah. In their gifts. Sometimes it's, it's being with more experienced people who can help you. The, these are never meant to be walked out alone. They're meant to be walked out together. And so if you look at Ephesians 4, it says that the ligament relationships and speaking the truth in love through those relationships causes the body to grow. Not good preaching. Not, that's what causes the body to grow. Is, so a ligament is totally flexible, totally unbreakable. And God says, look for relationships like that and then submit your growth to those people and say, this is what I'm struggling in. Can you help me? Let's go to the Lord together. And sometimes it'll just be a breakthrough. I mean, Jeannie, you know, in our freedom prayer session, that's what we do. And we see breakthrough almost every time with people. So, um, yeah, you just, you just go to the Lord together and see what he says. Because he wants you to grow. He wants us to mature. If that's not happening, then there's something blocking. There's something. It could be fear in me. It could just be ignorance. I just, oh, that's that. Oh, how simple is that? I was making it this big deal. Half the times, tongues is that. It's like, I thought God took your tongue, made it waggle, and then hit you in the stomach so air would come up. <laughs> uh, that didn't happen to me yet. You go, no, I don't think so. It's like prophecy is you speaking what you sense God might be saying, but you're speaking. Remember when we talked about tongues, I said, 30% of all humans can speak in tongues, Christian or not, is just can they make their brain... It's like a musician who's just playing. And you go, what are you playing? I don't know. What are you playing? I'm just grooving with it. I'm just grooving. Well, do you know what you're playing? No. See, so it's not going through their cognitive part of their brain. But it is coming from somewhere and coming out. Tongues is the exact same thing. Tongues is like grooving in jazz, in a jazz band. But it's just you're not having to think about what comes out of your mouth, okay? So 30% of all people can do that. What tongues is, is God saying, I'm going to let my spirit through your spirit use that ability and, and let's go. And God makes it so nearly 100% of people can do it. When he says, yeah, I'll help you. But see, you still need to speak. Just like in prophecy, you're like, okay, I'm ready, God. And God says, what are you perceiving? Oh, is that prophecy? Okay, well, this is what I think God's saying. God's like, okay, you started to un undo the cork. Now, as you grow, I'm going to clean out the pipes until, until it flows. So it'll, it'll stumble a little bit at first. You think it's you at first. And it's always mixture. That's why scripture says, don't despise prophetic utterance. Don't quench the spirit. Hold fast to that which is good. Because we prophesy in part. We know in part. Okay? And it's okay, God says, it's okay to stumble together. If we're in ligament relationships, then the good is kept, the bad is recognized, or the, the flesh or just, just me is recognized, and I learn from it. But if I never speak because I don't think it's perfect, I'll never learn. I'll never get on the bike and ride because I'm afraid falling is, is shameful. It's not. It's just us, right? So we need to create an environment where that's good, where that, that's fine. We make mistakes together. And even, even with the mistakes, God says, watch me take that mistake and make it the best learning thing ever. Right? And Satan goes, ah, 
I hate it when he takes failure and makes it into success. It kills me. Yeah. Oh, are visitors allowed to make money? Absolutely. <laughs> oh, I think sometimes to your point about maturity and you know we're trying to do our best. We always tend to think it's got to be something grand. Yeah. Something big. Ooh-ah. When it's not, it's the fixing the bikes. Yeah. It's helping somebody have water or a meal. Mm -hmm. You know, if you look at Jesus' life, he didn't do anything grandiose. Yeah, 11 people was was his grand total. Little. Yeah. And sometimes we got to change our mindset to, hey, it's not supposed to be this big thing. Yeah. Maybe it's the little things and it adds up. No, he always starts, and, and we said, and that's really good. We said that in this class again. We often mistake the supernatural the word supernatural was spectacular, unusual, showy. Supernatural and spectacular are not synonyms. God always picks Bethlehem, not Jerusalem. He picks Mary, not the Queen of Sheba. You know, he picks David, smallest shepherd boy, not the big handsome older brother. Okay, so God always picks the hidden. The first thing he said when he healed somebody was, don't tell anybody. <laughs> Why? We'd be going, there was a healing Saturday. We filmed it. We're going to show it now. And then everybody line up. And it's like, oh, that's, that's not organic. God is an organic God. Things grow. They planted and they grow. And they grow naturally. If it grows organically, it, it's hard to kill. If it grows artificially, you need artificiality to keep it alive. Right? Think about some churches. I need a better band, better sermons, better this, better that, because there I have a huge congregation, but I really small body. We have a thousand ten thousand meet, but those who are in the body here are four hundred. And I gotta keep this pumped up because it's artificial. It's not body, it's a football stadium. It's a Beyonce concert. It just happens to be a Christian one, okay? And so, I, and I'm not trying to be critical, but I'm just saying sometimes we miss the organic um, growth. Uh, okay, let's go here and then come on. Um, I'm not sure how to exactly ask this question, but just. Do it in tongues and we'll interpret it. <laughs> <laughs> um, it's one thing I've kind of been grappling with throughout this class is just the in the past few years, really, since I've been exposed to these um, great ideas of the Holy Spirit, and I've been trying to embrace them myself, but just growing up in the Church of Christ and just not having this uh, as part, very much as part of uh, our tradition or yeah. the culture, whatever you want to say, um, I guess I'm what, like, like, like I've been part of some churches where there are you know, founding fathers and, and leaders who actively, you know, pursued Christ and His mission, but would not attest to the these sort of manifestations yeah. of the Spirit. And I'm just like, I want to ask, like, why can't, like, why doesn't the Holy Spirit, like, work in them in spite of the, in, in spite of the lack of culture of it? You know uh huh. I mean? So, uh, yes. And then second question is. Okay. Um, you you alluded to it being like. Uh, like Easter eggs, like like not hiding these gifts yeah. uh, from us, but hiding them for us. And I'm just like curious, why do they have to be hidden at all? Like what? Yeah. You know what I mean? Like yeah. Yeah. So let me do. Let me. Season, but I haven't experienced. So yeah. So let me address the first one first. <coughs> the the ninety percent of what the Holy Spirit does 
is to inspire people to serve others. Your church fathers you're talking about were trying to do that and were doing that and they were hearing Holy Spirit. They just wouldn't say they're hearing Holy Spirit because the culture doesn't allow you to say that easily. But they're doing it. If you don't think the elders here are praying to hear God, and they have been. This church is dynamic in doing that. So all we've done in this class is to say, well, let's, let's make it a little more clear who we're asking, and let's see if that person wants to be a little more specific, a little more clear, a little more uh, expressive. Are there ways where, where we can praise God in ways that, that just connect us top to bottom and, and we're just like, oh, I encountered God today. Okay, that's all we're doing. We're, we're, we're not adding new equipment. We're just turning up the dials a little bit. We're saying, oh, you know there's a dial on the side. You turn that one and other, other cool things have got happen. So, so I don't mean in any way to say Holy Spirit isn't in this church. At the end of time, Many will come and say, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name? Did we not work miracles in your name? In your name, did we not cast out demons? And he will say, I don't even know who you are. Those things are not a sign of the church. The poor being taken care of is a sign of the church. Service is a sign of the church. Lives laid down. People become holy is a sign of the church. These power tools are to help those things happen. Okay? So... Um, the, when I said about Easter eggs, what I'm saying, it wasn't concerning these things. It was the scripture that says, um, you are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works that he's prepared beforehand for you to walk in. And I was talking about finding your purpose, finding your destiny, and I said, look, it's very, very simple. Your life is like one of those dot-to-dot -dot things that kids do. And your job as a kid is only to find that the eight comes after the seven. God makes life really easy. And near the end of your life, you look back on it and you go, all the dots were connected. Cool. That was really cool. I didn't have any idea what I was doing in age 20 and age 30, but I was just trying to be obedient. And now when I look back, I see there is a whole purpose and a plan in it. Okay? That's what I was saying, is that God doesn't say, okay, here are the 72 things you're going to do in your life, because we would go try to do them. And, it, and we would fail, because He wants to do it with them. Just like you don't say to your child when you go on vacation, okay, we're going to do the following eight things. Now you go do them and I'll, I'll stay back here. No, doing them with you, with the child, is the highest joy God has. And so if you look back on his calling of any leader in the whole Old Testament, every single one, there's one common thing he says, I will be with you. And that's what Jesus said to us just before he left. Lo, I'm with you, always, even. I will not leave you or forsake you. Right? And so when I said Easter eggs, what I'm saying is that the discovery of the thing that God has for us is so exciting and so amazing and so fun. And if he told it to us, that would be gone and we would try it on our own. You know, I've said God never sent anybody to Africa. Never. Seems bad on Mission Sunday to say that. But, <coughs> but God said, I'm going to Africa to start this thing called Made in the Streets. Want to come? See, that's how we see callings, is God's going and he wants us to come. Mike? Let me just add to what you're saying. Growing up in our tradition, we've been told you follow the pattern that's in the Bible. Yeah. And so we've got it all laid out. But when you're following the Spirit, it's not that way. Uh, yeah. Actually, you don't see the pattern 
most of the time until you look back in the rearview mirror and you go, and, and part of it is it's not that there's a precise direction, it's that God will work with me wherever I go. Yeah. Whether I'm afraid to go there or not afraid to go there, He's with me and we're going to go and when I look back, I'm going to see all of His working. Yeah. To me, that's, that's the power is just living in faith uh-huh. each day of, of just letting Him lead me and guide me and along with others. Yeah. There's a huge knucklehead factor built into that, that whole thing. It's Though the righteous fall seven times, yet he rises. There's a huge knucklehead factor. Any one of us who've tried to walk this way will, we could talk about knucklehead stuff all day long and how God came through. You know, I mean, we can. I have a knucklehead factor question. Yes. Um, And it's sort of knucklehead, but another. I watched that woman yesterday. Oh my gosh. Okay, ready, go. Okay, so how do we decipher when. There's a false prophet trying to tell us that they're hearing this, hearing this, hearing this, and we should do this, we should do this. Like, God's telling me that this. And you're like, really? Yeah, so... Contrary to, you know, like, how do you weed those, that knucklehead Right, so uh, 1 Corinthians 14 says, here's how you give public prophecy. One speaks, and three or four judge it. Right? We don't accept it because they say, in fact, if somebody says God said, I put it on my, yeah, right pile. Okay? If they say, I, this might be from God, let me just throw it out there. I put it on my let's look at it pile because they don't, there's not an ego. Okay? And so somebody says something, but, but you, God says, don't despise prophetic utterance. Hold fast to that which is good. Do not quench the spirit. So our posture is, huh. Okay, well, let's just see. I mean, if it's from God, and you say, God, if this is from you, you know, help me to understand that it is. And you just you set it right here on your to-be-read-later bookshelf, you know, and see what happens. And, and we try not to go to the person, you know, I don't think that, blah, 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 blah. But at some point, if you say, God, um, show me if there's a way I can help them to mature. Show me if... If there's a way that this can come back and Satan gets zero glory from it, and in fact God goes beyond what? Because when you're in a beginning charismatic circle and people catch on, and there's some stylization to it, which I'm like, you know, and when people start saying, oh, thus saith the Lord, thus saith the Lord, just say, time out, tear up the script, and let's just be real with each other, okay? There is no, you don't have to speak in King James. God doesn't. You don't have to either, you know? And so, and so it can get real stylized and people can say things. And often people speak from their own sense of inadequacy and they use prophetic gifting to try to feel adequate. And we just go, oh, sweetie. You know, you just, I've done that probably a thousand times. I'm like, oh, dear heart, come on, let's sit. Let's talk together. Okay. Yeah, it's messy. It's messy. I mean, if Satan hates anything worst, he hates the fact that if we connect with God, we become unstoppable, unshakable, and he can't eavesdrop. You know, it's like me and God in my spirit, and you don't get a chance to listen in. In my head, he can listen in on our heads, but he can't listen in our spirits. And so, yeah. I just want to share it. 
simple one of those Easter egg things was traveling to my family of origin a little bit anxious because that, that you're a child of God was not, it, there was a more critical spirit. In the airport in, in Atlanta, a sweet lady comes down and starts talking instantly. It's almost as if our hearts just, just knew that we hmm. were in the presence of God. Or there was something so odd about it. At the end of this 20-minute conversation, she says, I love you. You, you know, just continues this spirit of God thing and gives me a simple bracelet from Ghana where she's just been. Wow. I go home. I, I get to Arkansas, and I tell my family. I try three times to tell my mom this story, who kind of sees a plain what looks like a macaroni noodle bracelet and just is not connecting to anything. Yeah. Too busy. But it was like the spirit was just, it's like God's, I'm with you. This presence traveled with me, equipped me for that journey. And the whole time there's this whole God moment. And I'm so excited. I feel it deep. It's a supernatural feeling. Yeah. And I'm excited. I tell Mark <coughs> all about it. But I can never convey it because it looks, yeah. it sounds, it doesn't look pretty. It doesn't fit into the, the format. That is one of the most frustrating things is to be like a child who's found a frog and have your mother go, ew, <laughs> right? It's like, ew. And, and there's a lot of that in this, and we just, you just bear it. You just, you be careful, not careful in the suspicious way, but the, and you don't want to say pearls before swine, my mother's swine, not in that way either, but just in a, but just in a, in a Lord, you spoke this to me, Show me who to share it with. And, and those ligament relationships where we're on the same wavelengths are really good ways to connect as long as they don't become cut off from the rest of the church and become this, this Holy Spirit deeper life club. Because then you got to pull the plug. For me, it was, yeah. the, it was the this. Yeah, see, and look, you shared it with... It me. Yeah. And, and the reminder. Yeah. I'm with you. you shared it with us. I don't know. Maybe we should keep this class going and just do this every Sunday for a semester. It'd be really fun. We have to stop. Um, we'll talk about doing that. I don't know, Mark. <laughs> maybe we can. Maybe we can do that.